This week on the Boag World Show, I share 10 ways that I personally use email to ensure that I'm the first supplier my users turn to when they need help. This week's show is sponsored by Gather Content and Resource Guru. Hello and welcome to the Boag World Show, the podcast about all aspects of digital design, development and strategy. My name is Paul Boag and joining me on this week's show is the very wise and very lovely Marcus Lillington. Hello, Marcus. Hello, Paul. What's going you're on? You're suspicious, yes. aren't you? What's going on here? Well, you're, you're paying for me and my wife to come for a lovely Christmas headscape Christmas party next week and putting us up in a very lovely hotel. So it's just so, to do with the cash, isn't it? That's all it is. No, it's, it's, it's lies. It's, I'm, no, I'm, I'm simply being grateful. <laughs> why? Why could that possibly be wrong and to festive, be grateful? And seasonal. Well, yeah, these things come and go. Sometimes you, sometimes you ask me to do annoying things, and in which case, I'm not going to like you so much. It's yeah, inevitable. True. Yes, well, I'm rather so, looking forward to next Friday. It's a very posh restaurant that we're we're going to are we yeah. staying at that hotel as well sadly not paul no they don't oh. have enough rooms for one uh, oh really it, but um well uh, they would it was too expensive and chris but, wouldn't let us but but i'm coming on to um <laughs> even if they did have enough well they do have enough rooms but they didn't have enough rooms for all of us on that night oh, okay um, I see. but even then i think we would have probably said actually that's a bit pricey and we've got yeah. we've got a deal with the with the royal around the corner where you will uh-huh. be staying Okay, so, um, yeah. and the royal is very nice. It I have is. to say, yes. Uh, but yes, but co- Hotel Devan. It's the original Hotel Devan. Can you remember it back from the Town Pages days when we first met Paul five hundred years ago? No. Did it's, we go to the Hotel Devan then? I don't know if I ever did, but there were certain members of the Town Pages team that frequented it a lot. Right. I don't um, think that was me, but right. it might have been. Yeah. Oh, who knows? Anyway, it'll be that, that, it'll be lovely. And we're we're eating early so we can then drink more. <laughs> hey, of course the question is is whether I will make it that far. It just do you know what I mean? It's like that the lead up to Christmas is just painful. It's painful. It's like every year I plan right this year I'm going to have a nice leisurely slide into Christmas. Does it ever work? Never. No, this year is, well, I think I said last week, uh, this year is probably one of the worst ever. Um, it, phew, I'm there. I'm just, now I'm getting to the points where I'm worrying about the things that I don't need to worry about. That oh, that's really always is great. Because it's spinning yeah. so many plates. It's like, did I do that? Uh, yes, you did, actually. Uh, so, yeah. But, yeah. And it also, the, what, what it's get, get, I can't talk. That's another thing. Oh, the, um, this is going to be a good show then. <laughs> But it, I'm feeling a little bit uninspired because all I'm doing is kind of checking lists. It feels like that. So has this been done? Have we, oh, have I done that? Or has so-and-so done that? Yeah, that? That is essentially you've just described every project manager's <laughs> entire career path. Yeah, but it's so, not, you, as we know, that's not really my thing, is it? No. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> not what you were put on the earth to do. No. This but is very true. There's one thing I would – the one good thing, having deadlines – focuses your mind and it does seem that we're getting things done so that's that's good so that's good yeah how the quality on the other hand may be fairly ropey (laughs) don't say that (laughs) (laughs) 
No, it's superb and, but and you, you know, multiply tested and everything. But I have to say, oftentimes, a deadline, I think, actually helps the quality if it's not too ridiculous a deadline. No, because not. I think sometimes you can pick and pick and pick over stuff and end up making it worse. Certainly with design, you mm. can do that. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's okay. We just, well, I, I think... And I'm very touching wood when I say this. I think we're past the worst of the kind of worrying, are we going to do this? We're kind of like, now we're just getting on with it. And that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's good. <sighs> so I had a, I had a read. Do you remember, um, oh, I don't know, a few weeks back when we had Mike Coos on and we were talking about, um, I think it was with Mike Coos. I don't know. Perhaps it was another show. A while back we were talking about Fiverr. I think it was the one just you and I did. Was it? I yeah. can't remember. Anyway, oh, have I said something I shouldn't? No, 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 no. Well, you, you, you pulled me up because I mentioned Fiverr, um, and and I, um, we got into a conversation about whether or not some a service like Fiverr is a good idea because you can get stuff done incredibly cheaply, you yeah. know, disturbingly cheaply, and you kind of go, well, is that? You know, you felt a bit uncomfortable with it yes. and whether it was a good idea. Turns out people agree with you and not me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I think is a first for oh. anything. <laughs> no. It's a, so we were talking about it in Slack. Did you see the conversation? No, I'm, I'm, I, I, have, busy. I occasionally yeah. dipped in over the last few weeks, but I haven't really been following much at all. Um it's not surprising that the people no. in the in the Boeing World Slack channel would agree with me on this, um, but I still don't. Well, think, I still think I'm I'm right. It was it was more from a kind of ethical point of view rather mm. than you, you're going to end up with shitty design, which of course is true. It was more of a you know is this this ethically right for us to be using services where the person probably is earning below the minimum wage in order to be able to deliver at the price that they're talking about delivering. Absolutely. Uh, right. And of course that then gets into um, issues around, uh, you know, so where are they? Are they in another country? And then you get into issues about, we were talking about globalization. We were talking about the nature of capitalism. It was a really deep conversation we had on Slack, which is, 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 not the norm for us on Slack. It tends to be <laughs> bad jokes. Yes. But, uh, well, I don't know. But it tends to be kind of more business focused. But yeah. yeah, it's nice to talk about things that are a little bit weightier. Yeah, it was really interesting. And I have to say uh, that I, I think that I think you and them in Slack were probably right to pull me up on it. I was a bit I, I, I kind of I was dismissive, I think. Where I, it, what the the lie that really got everybody is I I said well that's capitalism, in this rather dismissive way. <laughs> so shut up. Yeah. So you know <laughs> that we live in a capitalist society. So you know, then you can screw people over. That's perfectly legitimate in a capitalist society, which wasn't what I meant. But I can understand how it came across like that. What I was getting at is that actually it's a lot bigger than a platform like Fiverr. Fiverr isn't the problem. You know, capitalism is the problem. But it, then that gets really heavy. Yeah, it, it does. Maybe we shouldn't go there. I don't know. Um, oh, cap, I know, capitalism, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, this is because nobody's found a better way yet. I think oh, no, that, I'm not saying that, that I'm not saying there. You know, the trouble is, is we're human beings, aren't we? We can screw up any system. It's like on face value, communism's a great idea. 
It's yeah. just when you you actually practice it, it goes shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, communism goes wrong because it kind of ignores the competitive hunter nature of human beings. And capitalism goes wrong because of the competitive nature and (laughs) the hunter nature of human beings. And it needs to be some kind of balance. Capitalism with lots and lots of safeguards and checks, kind of, you know, things like the minimum wage. You know, that's, that's that's not capitalist, is it? Now you're sounding like an elitist Democrat. That's what you'd be accused of. You're nanny state. That's what you're trying to create, Marcus. Nanny state. See, you can't please anybody. Don't mind a bit of nanny state. Same thing, you know. We're, it's, we're t- oh. Well, it's true, though. So, in some ways, <laughs> yeah, what, should we just yeah, leave... So edu- like, let, let's just leave education to kind of yeah, up to parents only. Let's well, that's what we... That's a very bad example to pick as I homeschool my child, Marcus. Uh, yeah, but would it work for everyone? No. Exactly. But there you go. So, so a little bit of politics on the show. Yeah, I feel, I feel faint. I know. Oh, and I, I need I'm a holiday anyway. You've made it worse. <laughs> anyway, the, the 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 reason that I brought it up partly was kind of a bit bit of a kind of half-hearted apology that I was somewhat dismissive. Uh, but also to say I'm really enjoying the Slack channel. I love it because if you'd had that conversation on Twitter, it would have just turned into a shitstorm. Mm-hmm. But because there's something about Slack where, partly because I've filled it with, whenever the page loads it, it, it comes up with some quip about, you know, be nice to one another, or if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, and, you know, silly things like that. And it's just created this really lovely, safe place where you can say what you want. And it was brilliant. It was a really good conversation. Mm-hmm. So if you fancy joining that, you are more than welcome. It's, um, you can go to boagworld.com forward slash slacking. Um, lots, most of the time it's work related, but not always. Um, and we would love to have you in it because it's a good group. Mm, I agree. Cool. So this week we're going to be talking about email, um, and, and not kind of work email, but email within the context of kind of, um, email marketing. So newsletters and stuff like that. Yeah. That kind of, that kind of thing. And, and the reason that I wanted to talk about it, um, is because I actually, feel like email has is uh, is the poor child when it comes to marketing and promotion you know because email's been around a long time it's that i know it's the marcus lillington of marketing right it used to be a massive star but these days you know he's just considered a bit of a has-been really You but e- email is email is massive. It, everyone uses it. It's it's huge, huge. It's it also, is. I actually think, from a, a marketing point of view, that it's it, it's the most. I think it's your most. What am I trying to say here? People because it's personal to them, mm-hmm. rather than say a kind of random thing out to Twitter or something like that. I think it, it's more direct. Yes, absolutely, because it. Well, I mean, the big thing is, is that for a start, it comes to you rather than you having to go it to it. Yeah, that's you know, what I was trying to say in a kind of rubbishy, I can't talk any more way. See, I really can't that's talk. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. That's okay. You do right. talking, Paul. I'm just going to sit back and have a cup of tea. No, don't do that. <laughs> your opinion is valid too, <laughs> in your own special way. Special. 
So, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, that that's why I like newsletters over a blog, really, even though, you know, I spend most of my life blogging. Because, you know, um, people get it in their inbox. It's sitting right in front of them. They don't have to remember to go off to a site or to check social media or any of that kind of stuff. It's just there. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a, a huge fan of email. But I, I guess it's a lot of people kind of look down on it because of all the spam and, the you know, all of the problems with it. But I think used right and used sensibly is possibly one of the most powerful marketing tools in your arsenal. And I think it could be useful both internally if you work, sorry, if you work for like an agency like Headscope, I think it can be very useful. But also if you work internally within a digital team, within an organization, I think it's got its place to play. Um, You know, so so obviously the uses of it for like Headscape are fairly obvious as a way of keeping in touch with with your clients and um, to make sure that they don't forget about you. Because that's that's mm. easy to do. Sorry, I'm a little you... bit. I'm a little bit sceptical about whether our clients would ever really want that, though. I'm a, this, well, this well, apply- it depends what's in it, doesn't yeah. it? it well, depends yes. what you email. About. We'll come on to that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, in yeah. in a big way, but I kind of because I knew we were going to do this show, and I thought to myself, okay, I'm I'm signed up to quite a lot of newsletters, and I thought, how do I? Obviously, this is a user test of one. Um, but how do I respond to my newsletters? And nearly all of them that come in, even ones mm-hmm. I like, I like, I quite like Clear Left's newsletter. They mm-hmm. have kind of interest. It's you can tell it's Jeremy Keith mostly, and there's sort of sci-fi things and futurist yeah. stuff, which I like. But I go, oh, it's the Clear Left newsletter. I'll read that later, mm. and never do. The yeah, only ones, sorry, so the the only ones that I always click on are from two guitar shops. Because I know that they'll have pretty images and I can go, ooh. Now, that's very interesting because that's going to co- totally contradict something I'm going to say later. But let's not worry about that for now. Use a test of one, I said. Yeah. Uh, but uh, does it – okay, this is going to sound weird. Hmm. But from a from a headscape perspective, does it actually matter if people never get around to reading it? I hadn't thought of that. It is as you said. The purpose of it is just to go. Hello, we're here. Don't forget about us. Yeah. And if it just pops up, if they're not annoyed by it and think I must unsubscribe, then actually yeah. it's doing its job, isn't it? Exactly. Mm. So it's it's you know I think it's a really good way because you know if you take the clear left one for example, you know next time someone comes around and they they have a project that they need doing. Because they're receiving regular emails from Clear Left, they're going to think, oh, yeah, I'm subscribed to their newsletter. We ought to you know, make sure they're on the, the, the mm. list of people we go out to. That's that's what it's really about from a kind of business development agency perspective. Yeah. But, I've learned something. There you go. Right. See, I, 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 you should pay more attention to me, Marcus. <laughs> yes, I've yes. told you this so many times and it makes no difference. Um, but I think it, yeah, I think it's good for internal teams as well. I've started to do this a lot, right? Mm. So where I think a lot of projects go wrong, um, internal within larger organizations is that, um, people don't feel included or engaged or listened to as part of the process, you know? And so they suddenly get this, oh, here's our new website, ta-da, and they look at it and go, oh, and they've got no background and they weren't engaged with it and etc. Now, 
there are a lot of um, internal teams that have blogs. But, of course, the problem is is that someone has to go and look at the blog, right? Yeah. While sending out a regular newsletter to people when you're doing a project like, you know, like a redesign of a big website for a large organization is such a great way of keeping people in the loop and engaging with them. So it's a great opportunity to ask them questions and get feedback. But it's also a great way of kind of gently educating them and preparing them for the final website that you there release. Mm. And I'm actually a huge fan of it. Um, so what I'll tend to do is at the beginning of a big project, I'll say, OK, we're going to send an organization wide email, just one to everyone explaining that we're doing this big project or whatever and to, to sign up to it. If they're interested in following along and seeing what happens with the project, you can sign up to this newsletter. You'll get regular updates of everything that's happening. And then essentially kind of take them, handhold them through the entire process with an email, you know, at the end of every sprint or, you know, how, how, whatever's appropriate in that particular situation. And it works really well. There is, however, one caveat because uh, I gave this, I gave a talk where I, I said about this technique, and someone said at the end, mm, "We've been running an email. We've been running an email newsletter for twenty five years, and nobody <laughs> ever reads it." Is that so how they talked. Yeah, they did talk like that as well. <laughs> um, and my kind of response to that is, "Yeah, but is it any good? You know, is it actually interesting? Does it actually teach people stuff? Does it?" you know scratch them where where they're itching you know does it engage with them over the project that they care about or is it simply a in our mm. IT department this week we've been reviewing the latest CSS specs you know which nobody cares about so it yes. has to be kind of related to the project and drawing people along but I think it's a really good technique personally also gives you uh some comeback maybe with senior people who said well i didn't know anything about this exactly mm. yeah which is why i send out the the company-wide email at the beginning so that everyone has an opportunity if they don't take it up that's up to them exactly. but they're effectively then they're they're relinquishing their right to have a say <laughs> yes you have no opinion anymore. You have no, no. <laughs> you are no longer a stakeholder in this project. Anyway, what I mainly want to concentrate on mine is is kind of the external uh, viewpoint of of using email marketing for well in situations like Headscape, for example. Sure. So, so I want to share it um, before we get into the actual. Um, I've got ten tips. So I'm going to do a list Ooh. this time. I haven't done a list for a while, so I'm going to do a list of my top ten points. Before we get into that, I just want to give you some reading suggestions because I've written about this quite a lot, okay? Yep. Uh, and the first article I wanted to point you at is one entitled Newsletter Sign Up, How to Get Subscribers Without Being Annoying. Because let's face it, most email newsletter sign-up forms are bloody irritating. Quite a lot of them, they just assu they assume you want to be part of it and you have to log out or you have to opt out. Oh, rather. that's even worse. Yeah, that's yeah. that's changing though in the in the new year with the GD whatever it is PR thing. Do you know? Do you want to know a confession? What, Paul? I haven't looked that looked at that yet. I know nothing about it. Well, you as an internet consultant, famous I one know. as well, you really ought to know about well, that. This is why it's a confession and just between you and me. <laughs> I've read it's... a bit about it. And, yeah, basically it's, but it, it's a lot clearer about 
um, things like opt-in and opt-out and, oh, and, and what you can s- store uh, of people's contact details. But let's not go into that now in any is that, kind of detail. But is that all you're going to give me? Yeah. Look, you know how you, you say, oh, how I keep up is by doing this podcast. And basically that means that you get all of my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then on the one time I admit that I am weak <laughs> on something and don't know about it, that's all you give me? Yeah, That's but I, it. I'm, I'm kind of making out like I know a lot about it, but I don't either. Okay. <laughs> I think our Christmas reading is clear at this point. It certainly is. But that's just yeah. something that really bugs me. Oh, it does, uh, yeah. Opt, being opted in for something I don't want. Yes, Brrr. I totally agree with that. So newsletter sign-ups, um, how to get subscribers without being annoying. So I've discovered, uh, I've decided the last few weeks I've been a bit lazy because I keep going, oh, yeah, it'll be in the show notes. But I've got a URL now that okay. I can read. So this one is going to be boag.world forward slash BWS, Boag World Show, BWS 01. Right? So there you go. That's the first. Definitely read it. Lots of great advice in there, he says humbly. Um <laughs> The second one um, is – so the first one is how not to be stupid, basically. And it, there are lots of ways you can be really stupid with newsletter sign-up. The second one is how to successfully encourage newsletter sign-up with good design. So this is about calls to action and wording and all of those kinds of things. So while the first one is things not to do, the second one is things to do. Okay. So this one's at boag.world forward slash BWS02. And then number three is one I wrote for Smashing Magazine, which is how to use email to alienate your users. So, again, it's kind of reverse things. It's, yeah. you know, it's Don't showing by bad examples. Yeah. And that's boag.world forward slash BWS03. So there we go. Let's uh, quickly talk about our sponsor. Um, which is Resource Guru. And the last few weeks, I've kind of, I've been very lazy with both of our sponsors. Um, There's a recurring theme here, lazy with links, lazy with sponsors. And I've just been reading the text that they they give me. But they always encourage me, both Resource Guru and Gather Content, and both really encourage me to share my own thoughts. So I thought this episode, that's what I'll do. So let's talk about Resource Guru for a minute. So one of the hardest challenges, I think, of running a business is juggling the availability of your team. Because... You know, you, you know, everybody has their processes and ways of working, but it doesn't matter what process you've got. Never Things never go smoothly, do they? Clients don't deliver on time. Projects run over. Someone gets sick or decides they want to go on a holiday. You know, um, then you get an emergency request from a client. Oh, my server's fallen over or, you know, or there's this new European Union legislation that I need to comply with. You know, those kinds of things. And it just throws everything out. So despite our best plans, everything is constantly in flux. And I think that's my big problem with most PM tools, project management tools, is that they're really useful, useless <laughs> at dealing with that kind of dynamic changing environment. And they just don't adapt very well. And that's why I really like Resource Guru and why um, it really stands out to me is because it's very adaptive. You can make changes in a matter of moment. Um, and it's kind of it's very easy to kind of go with the flow of what's going on. Um, in a in a business especially you know like in a small agency business it it's very very easy to get kind of overwhelmed with all these different you know clients wanting different things and trying to juggle juggle multiple projects as marcus can currently testify to 
Yeah, and um, we use Resource Guru, and it is very simple to follow, nice interface, easy to understand, which is what you want from a tool, really. You had you, you did somewhat undermine it because at the beginning of the show you said, "Oh, I'm really stressed. I've got far too much on. I can't cope with everything." And now you've just said, "Oh, and we use Resource Guru." <laughs> you you're, see, the, you're doing you two see plus two equals five. There, Paul. Am I okay? Yeah. A different issue. Um, so you can start your free trial by going to resourceguru.io forward slash Boag World. Um, when you're ready to subscribe, please use the coupon code Boag2017. Oh, I say please. I don't need to say please because you're the one that benefit from it. You'll get 20% off the lifetime of the account. Um, so it's definitely worth doing because that will save you quite a lot of money over the years. All right. So that's Resource Guru. Now, let's do my top 10, top 10 things about email. So these are, I, look, I'll be honest, right? I'm not an expert at this. Um, and we did, I did have a guest lined up for this show, but it didn't happen for whatever reason. You do so do I your thought, own email, though. You've done lots of email news- newsletters. I, I have, yeah. I do, I do email all the time, but there's a big difference between knowing it in theory and doing, you know, and, and being an expert in it, you know, or yeah. knowing... Yeah, not a theory because I do it in practice. But you know what I'm getting at. I'm not an expert. So what I thought I'd do for this show is just share with you kind of 10 things I've personally learned, right? So I've built up an email newsletter of, I don't know, 8,500 or something something along those lines. I'm not sure quite the number. Um, so I've done all right. It's not huge. Um, but, you know, for for a little business like mine, that's pretty good kind of does the job keeps me in contact with potential clients that might one day want to hire me and obviously then I've worked with lots of other clients that have got more grown-up email marketing campaigns and I've been involved with those at various times so I know a little bit so these are the 10 lessons that I've really learned over the years right and the first one is the one that Marcus has already said which is don't trick your users into signing up right and I'm not he was talking specifically about the check uncheck mm. checkbox thing you know that that is just so irritating and and okay we now know that that is soon going to be illegal but there are always ways right there are always ways and means of tricking someone into doing something they don't want to do you know and not just tricking them in the sense of um you know, oh, oh, I didn't know I checked that box kind of ways, but manipulating people, right, through heavily persuasive techniques. Um, so I was at a website once that, that was, um, you know, uh, had a pop-up overlay for uh, advice on, on, on running your own business, right? Mm-hmm. Sign up for our newsletter for top advice on running a business. And then it had... It said, yes, subscribe me. And then next to it, it said, no, I want my business to fail. Yeah, yeah I've seen. I've, I think I've seen that exact one. Which one it, is that? Oh. I don't know. But it just, you know, don't be a dick, right? <laughs> yeah, but le- I, yeah well, sorry, there is another one I can think of. There's, there's um, going back to my guitar thing again, there's um, a, a site I occasionally go to for to get the chords or a tab on how to play something and it always comes up with this huge overlay which is sign up for this sign up for this sign up for this and i think i don't want it and i can't find it and then in tiny little letters right at the bottom it Mm. says you something along the lines of oh you're an idiot you don't want it yeah (laughs) it's like 
how how does that make me feel about your brand? But you know, let's just, say, well, I mean, the truth is that people do it because it works, right? Yeah. It does actually increase um, conversion, right? I, yeah, but, but does it does it? It, increasing conversion is one thing, but it might lose your customers. Exactly. And also, the problem is, is that even if you manage to manipulate people, if you let's do say you did the checkbox thing, right? So a load of people sign up to your newsletter who don't actually want it, okay? So now you've got a newsletter list, you've got a, a mailing list with no true perception of how many users are signed up to it legitimately how many people actually want to hear from you you've got this overly bloated list that looks very impressive if you just look at the top number but your conversion rate is going to be appallingly low Mm. because nobody actually wants it so the quality of your data is incredibly poor because you've manipulated people into signing things up on top of which right it will damage the reputation of the list. Be- not, I'm not talking about brand reputation. Mm. I'm talking about how um, people like Google and various other email providers decide whether your email gets to get into someone's inbox or not, right? Yeah. And one of the metrics they use is whether people market as spam, right? And if you've tricked people into signing up, they're going to market as spam. And therefore, even those people that actually do want it, are not going to see it as much because it's going to end up in spam folders. So it's just madness, right? Don't get seduced. We mentioned this before. Don't get seduced by vanity metrics. Mm. You know, just because you've got a big number of people signed up for the newsletter doesn't mean you should feel pleased with yourself, right? So, you know, if you take my email um, sign up of, uh, I don't know, um, 8,500 or whatever I said it was, If you look at my number of open rates and number of click rates compared to comparable other lists within my sector, that is incredibly high. So although my list is relatively small, my open rate and my click rate is very high because the people on my list actually want to be on my list, you know? Yeah, makes sense. So round one over. Um, Number two in my list is wait for the right moment to ask people to sign up, right? So the great example, I'm, I'm, I, the trouble is, you know, when you get have these examples you use all the time and you can't remember which context you've used them in. So I've probably said this one before and I apologize for it. But to this day, it makes me giggle. Well, it doesn't make me giggle at the time. It really annoyed me. But now it makes me giggle. So I went to a website. I, I was going to a, a conference. I can't remember the conference, but all the speakers decided they were all going to wear really geeky T-shirts. We were going to have a competition. Who could come up with the geekiest T-shirt? So I asked on Twitter, you know, oh, where's well, really good to get geeky T-shirts? And a load of people suggested some. And this one came up several times. Don't ask me what it was. I can't remember. But anyway, I went to this website. I arrive on this website and immediately it pops up an overlay like you were describing mm-hmm. saying, hey, sign up to our newsletter and get 20% off your first T-shirt. Right. Now, I hadn't seen any T-shirts yet. <laughs> yeah. So how do I know whether I want my 20% off? Okay? So and I'm certainly not going to give them my email address just on the off chance I might want a t-shirt cuz I know that they're going to email me for the rest of the, my life until I die. On top of which, 
what they felt this need to bribe me to get my email address right, right? so that doesn't bode very well for the quality of the 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 newsletter that they're sending out it's got obviously got no value in its own right and on top of that they have stopped me completing the call to action so that they can get me to sign up for something so they can encourage me to complete the call to action of purchasing a t-shirt you see the madness of that it's it's all up the wrong way so anyway, I, I immediately closed the, the pop-up window. I then went on and looked at the T-shirts. Actually, they had some really cool T-shirts there. Lots of T-shirts I really like. Brilliant. I'm going to have this one. I've gone through the process, looked at several. And Denard, yeah, this is my T-shirt. Right, how do I get my 20% discount? But the pop-up overlay is gone. Mm. Should be part can't, of the buying process. I can't see it. Where's, where's, where's the overlay? I, now I feel like I'm being charged 20% more for this T-shirt than it's really worth. So I didn't buy it. And I left the site. Never to return. Exactly. So that's why you've got to pick the right moment for the, uh, to ask people to sign up. So like you say, it should have been a part of the buying process. There you go. Number three, consider carefully how often you email people. Frequency is is very good. We worked with um, one charity. Um, I worked with one charity at once. In fact, Marcus, you I don't know whether you were involved with this conversation, but it was when I was at Headscape. Mm-hmm. We were working for one charity, and um, they were emailing, asking for donations and updating their clients, you know, their their um, givers, etc. And the but none of it was managed centrally. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. We did a little bit of research into this and discovered that potentially um, their most committed donors, right? So the people that, that were most engaged with the charity were signed up to multiple mailing lists and ended up on multiple mm-hmm. mailing lists across the organization. And they could be receiving multiple emails from the charity every day. Oh, I love that. Don't you, Paul? <laughs> We, just, yeah. I mean, that's just insane, isn't it? Because there'd been no coordination or no thought put into, well, how many times do we need to be emailing people? Uh, yeah, that's happened with, with um, an, an existing client as well, uh, one of the law firms. But they had so, really? many, so many different, um, you could sign up for so many different kind of practice-related emails Yeah, um, that in, the same thing could apply. Because they, mm. they would have like a kind of, there might be something... I think it was related to the fact that if the, if a particular practice had like a major thing on at the moment, they would just keep pushing out these emails almost daily. Yeah. Uh, and then if you were signed up to more than one, if the two of them were doing the same thing at the same time, you would be getting multiple elays, emails every day. Yeah. <clears throat> so you've got to put some thought into it. Yeah. People are going to ignore that or unsubscribe you more than yeah. likely or put yeah. you into their junk folder. Yeah. So as for how often you send it out, I think that's very dependent on the type of content you're sending out or the rest of it. So I settled eventually on once every other week um, in my case. But that, I mean, the factors you've got to consider is what you can keep up regularly. Um, so, you know, it's not wise to say, oh, yes, I'm going to send daily emails. Um, it's like Jared Spool has got a UX thought for the day. How he does it every day blows my mind. It's really good as well. 
he writes an email every day. It's like, he's got too much time on his hands. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, so you need to think of how often you can keep it up and then also how much um, is kind of reasonable from the user's perspective. Yeah, it's about providing something that's useful as well, isn't it? I mean, yeah, in yeah. Jarris Ball's case, well, he's obviously managing to do that, but most mm. of us just couldn't do that. No, no, I, I certainly, I struggle to come up with content for a podcast every week, let alone every day. Uh, so that's number three. Three, I think. I don't even know anymore. Um, <laughs> make sure your email provides value to the user. That goes back to what... Oh, you beautifully transitioned to that, Marcus. I know. It's, and I hadn't even read it. So you, <laughs> you just guessed. Yeah. So you go off for more than that new uh, that um, T-shirt place. It's got to be about more than just, oh, we're going to send you our cool products. Although apparently that's all right if it's guitars. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that there are some things that you know all of us love. If it's shiny, uh, if it, whatever yeah. shiny means to you, then you will accept that and you will open it and go, "Ooh, can't afford that," and then shut it again. But I, but I do think a lot of us maybe uh, those of us who who are doing these emails think people are more interested in our product than they actually are. You know, mm. so for example, if you're emailing about insurance. It's got to offer more value than, oh, here's a discount on our insurance because nobody cares about it. I'm trying to think of what what would <laughs> what value could there possibly be in an insurance? Well, I think where, what you've got to mm. – yeah. See, this is where you've got to think around the product rather than just specifically about the product. Didn't yeah. we touch on this a little bit when we were talking with Ellen last, we did, last yeah. week? Yeah. So it's the idea, you know, if, it, if you're talking about insurance, you've got to talk about, you know, it's got to be a newsletter that's about planning for the future. And it would touch on, you know, financial planning and planning for your retirement and, you know, all of those kinds of things. Presuming you're talking about life insurance. If you're talking about pet insurance, it would be all stuff about pets, you know, yeah, yeah. and looking after your pets and their pets well-being and that kind of stuff. So it. There's got to be value in the newsletter as you know, in and of itself. So, you know, for example, and, and a bit of segmentation doesn't go amiss either. So going back to your, your guitar example, mm-hmm. I think before somebody makes a purchase, yeah, you wanna, they want to see shiny guitars, don't they? And, ooh, that's sexy. Let's drool over it. But once they bought a guitar, then maybe actually what they want is – hints and tips about how to play it better or how to look after it or you know those kinds of things maybe you need changes a little bit and so the value you've got to provide is slightly different well slightly annoyingly if you if you click on um one one of the the guitar shops is world guitars down in the west country somewhere um and i will occasionally click through the detail on one of these lovely lovely instruments and then the first thing that comes up is a sign up for our newsletter yeah i mean that's just that is just embarrassing isn't it you know that and it's so easy to fix something like that Mm. you know once somebody signed up they should never see you again anyway right uh number five paul yes have some clear calls to action in every email but vary them um so one of the things that i well you see two types of things you see some emails where it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to talk to you about X, Y, and Z, but it never actually asks you to act or ask you to respond. 
mm-hmm. at all, which is obviously a bit shit because, you know, that's why the email, why you're going to all this effort is to encourage people to take action. And then at the other extreme, I see calls to action, which are the same every time they receive the email. And I think people almost become blind to it then. Mm. Um, and they don't see it and it doesn't register with their head uh, in their head. So I think you've got to vary those calls to action. So if you look at my newsletter, for example, often um, it might, the call to action might be as simple as something like, hey, write back to me and tell me what you think about the newsletter. Or I might ask a question or just try and get some kind of engagement out of them. While other times it'll be buy my book or whatever, you know, here's a course I'm running or what, you know, those kinds of things. So kind of varying the calls to action, seems to work better from my personal experience anyway number six is spend a lot of time crafting your headlines um because this is the big you know the 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 you've got two barriers when it comes well three barriers um, when it comes to emails one is you've got to get them to sign up in the first place then you've got to get them to open the email and then third you've got to get them to click on the call to action Mm. well to get them to open the email you need a really compelling subject line um, so I'm going to mention a, a tool in a minute that will help that with that a little bit, although that co-schedule headline analyzer will also help with it that I mentioned in last week's show. Um, so, free but beer spe- from Paul. That would work. Free beer from Paul. Actually, that one wouldn't work very well. No? No. And the reason being is the word free. The word free is more likely to get you put into the spam folder or, you know, in something like Gmail into one of those secondary folders, you know, the tabs that they have. So there's certain words you've got to be careful about and free is actually one of them. So, you know, beer from Paul or get your beer from Paul, that would that would kind of work, but not free. Interesting that, isn't it? So there you go. And that's that's the tool that I'm going to mention later helps with that kind of thing. Um, next one, make unsubscribing easy, please, please make it easy, please. Quite um, a lot and- of the time though, unsubscribing, I'm just thinking, um, cause it'll be just something, I don't know whether I'm, whether it's something I genuinely did sign up for or whether yeah. it's spam and unsubscribing me is actually subscribing me to other things. <laughs> so. Ah, that, that reminds me of something that I didn't put on the list because I didn't want more than 10, <laughs> which was um, to, to remind people where the email has come from, mm. why they're getting it, because that deals with that problem. Um, but when it comes to unsubscribing, when you someone clicks on that unsubscribe button or link, that should be it, Yes. right? So there are two cardinal sins on this. One, don't ask me to put in the email address I'm unsubscribing for because you just emailed me. So you know the email address, so attach it to the URL so that it will automatically do it. Because sometimes people receive emails from multiple addresses to the same inbox. So that's number one. Two, now this is even worse, don't make me log in to something to unsubscribe and i'm talking to all of you who create notification emails right so when you signed up the web web apps are bastards with this <laughs> they really are you know oh i've signed up to a web app five years ago right and it's like to this day i still receive a, a an email from from a um uh a, a, an seo service that i used back in the day uh, and it says 
your site has been crawled, recrawled. We've recrawled your site. That's all it says, right? I get that once a week. And whenever I click on the unsubscribe button, it says login. I can't remember my login details. I really ought to add it to my spam folder. Yeah. And there you go. There's the problem in that one sentence. The, the other one is select from our list of 10 points as to why you're unsubscribing. Yes. And, or yeah. <laughs> or here's, a, here's a massive long list of different types of emails that we send you. Yes. Which ones do you wish to unsubscribe from? And you have to go through the whole list and tick them. Yeah. Bad. Bad. And also, if you're going to make it easy, say that up front. When people subscribe, say you can unsubscribe in a single click because that helps people and encourages them to, to sign up. Number eight is make it personal. Um, so this is, I mean, I'm not just, uh, obviously the, the most logical, you know, the, the most obvious example of that is, hello, Marcus, you know, thank Hi, you for signing up. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> it's painful. Um, so, you know, personal know greetings. I know where you live. That would make it personal, wouldn't it? That would make it personal. <laughs> that, that is very true. Yes, this is your address and we're sending someone round right now with a baseball bat. Um, no, don't make it that don't personal. Uh, but it, seg- segmentation basically is what I'm driving at here. Um, so, you know, if you have got a mailing list and, for example, you could segment it by people that haven't actually um, clicked on a link in your email for the last six months. So maybe you want to say something a little bit different to them. Hmm. All right. Or people that haven't actually opened the email in the last six months. Maybe you want a different subject line for them. Or people that have signed up via this route compared to this route. Or people that have got a company domain name rather than Gmail or Hotmail or something like that. Or people from a different uh, certain geographic area. Uh, you know, And so it goes on. So, I mean, uh, no, most of those examples were examples w- where you haven't asked for anything more than their email address. You know, but also, obviously, you could ask them what sector they work in or what that kind of thing. But personally, I'm not a fan of doing that in- with the initial sign up because it creates a bigger barrier to getting people to sign up. But something I'm considering doing, which I haven't yet done, is actually sending out a little survey to my subscribers and say, hey, tell me a bit about yourself um, so that I can you know, provide you with more relevant stuff. And I was going to ask a single question to my subscribers, which is, do you work for an external agency or do you work in-house? And if I can just get them to answer that single question, then that will enable me to, to start tailoring more specific content to people. Mm-hmm. So it's useful it to the end user. Yeah. Number nine is make sure it works across devices and platforms. And by platforms, I mean different email providers. Um, so, for example, um, you know, does it look good on a mobile device and that kind of thing? You need to test this kind of stuff. It really does matter. Um, and in particular, watch the image. Watch images. I, I've been using images for ages um, on my newsletter. And recently I asked for some feedback on the newsletter from people and people really nicely took the time to email me back and tell me how shit it is that I include so many images. <laughs> um, so I've now cut down the number of images that I use. Uh, so, Why? You know, Why do they say that? 
Well, if you think about it, most in my case, most of my images are, are fillers. They're not shiny guitars. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Okay, they yeah. don't. They don't add value to the the email. Um, and it's, a, I think, a completely fair point. I just think also it means that they take longer to download. Sometimes the images don't load because of the way they've got their clients set up, and so. Images are an interesting one, but that wasn't really what I was getting at. What I was getting at is you need to test across multiple platforms and devices. Yes, getting I get a, a newsletter which I can't read on my phone, and that is exactly. really annoying. Yeah. Uh, and then the final point I wanted to share is test when best to send it. And this goes back to what you were saying right back in the introduction, Marcus, which is you know, the number of emails you get that you never open. Um, and oftentimes you never open them because it depends or you know you you go oh I'll read that later and then never do Mm. Um, and a lot of that could be down to when you receive the email Um, so often it's worth testing different times of the day and different days of the week to send out your newsletter Um, and, and I feel hypocritical saying this because I've never done this and I really really need to um, because I know it would make an enormous difference to my open rate if I could be asked. And actually, the really ironic and stupid thing is that with um, MailChimp, that's the client I use, and I'll talk about them in just a minute, um, that it, it, uh, it will actually work out the best time to send it for you. And I haven't ever bothered selecting that option. How lazy is that? You can't, it just tick the box, Paul. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's slightly more complicated because I send out my email on a Thursday – where I reference a post that goes out on the Thursday, which is the podcast, right? Yep. And so I can't send the newsletter out before that post has been released, and the post isn't released until lunchtime. And if I tick the send it out at the best time box, it might send it out before that post has been released. And it's very easily solved. I move the newsletter to Friday. But can I, can I be bothered to work that out? Yeah, anecdotally, I think Friday afternoon, sort of four-ish, would be the best time because mm. that's when you might think, you know, I can't be bothered to do any more work. I'm going to read some stuff in a newsletter. I don't actually think that's the case from from the numbers that fly around, but I would totally agree with that logic. Mm. But that's not what I've read. Okay. But you can't believe what you read on the internet or hear on podcasts either. <laughs> <laughs> Right, let's talk about our next sponsor. That is not a good segue into a sponsor. <laughs> you can't trust what you hear on podcasts. Now I'm going to recommend a product to you. Yeah. Oops. Brilliant. Sorry. Sorry, gather content. Um, so earlier I was talking about Resource Guru, wasn't I? And I said one of the problems with projects, uh, one of the reasons projects get delayed or they, there are problems with them is that the client fails to deliver the stuff that they should do when they should deliver it and of course the biggest example of that is is content and that is why i love gather content um you see i think partly we're our own own worst enemy when it comes to to getting content out of clients one is that we not we don't give them enough guidance about creating that content and then two, they end up giving it to it in, in all kinds of, oh, here's a Word document and mm. there's this PowerPoint over here and there's this over there and I've sent you a spreadsheet of how they all link together, you know, and it's like, really? really? I've got to work through all this crap. Um, and that's why I think something like Gather Content can be so helpful because it can help with both of those problems, right? So you can 
you can basically create these customizable or, or, or create these content templates that you can customize, right? And so they're putting content into templates, um, which obviously means that it's really then easy to, they're all organized in a consistent way that you can easily export out directly into your CMS of choice. But also you can put, decide what fields go into those those templates, now, obviously, you're going to want to put in fields that will you want to end up publishing to the site via the CMS. Fields like, you know, body content, title, metadata, that kind of thing. But there's no reason why you can't also include fields in there that exist purely to get people writing great content. All right. So fields like ones that I like to put in are things like who is the audience? Type into this box who the audience is. Right. What questions are you answering on this page and what's the call to action? Because getting the, the client to write those things out gets them thinking about the right kind of things that they should be thinking about as they write content. So gather content, totally, totally really pleased they're a sponsor because it's totally a product that, that I think is incredibly useful. So it's perfect for website redesigns, new websites, adding new sections to websites. But also, to be honest, it's great for even doing things like emails when you've got multiple contributors or, you know, adding stuff together into an, uh, to emails and for planning out a series of emails and that kind of stuff. You can get a 30-day free trial, no credit card required. Just go to gathercontent.com forward slash boagworld. Right, I just want to wrap up with three different apps to check out, um, two of which I've kind of vaguely mentioned already, and a third one, um, and a third one as well. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, I haven't. Um, the first one, um, it's a bit of a long URL, but I'm going to read it anyway. It's sendcheckit, sendcheckit.com forward slash email dash subject dash line dash tester. Really should have shortened that URL. Rolls I? off the tongue, doesn't it? Really does. It's um, now this goes back to what I was saying earlier about testing your subject headlines, right? Oh. Um, and it's so good for this. So if we let's see what it says. What uh, what was it you said? Free beer from Paul. Um, from Paul. Free beer. We'll see how good a grade you get from Paul for your your off the cuff subject line. <laughs> Ooh, okay, my dogs are going mad. Oh dear, I wonder what's, who's breaking into your house? <laughs> Are you being stolen from as we speak? Well, my wife's downstairs. Maybe she's being stolen. Hope not. I'm afraid free beer from Paul only gets a C grade. It's, you do very well on scannability. Oh. Very scannable. Reading grade is very good because, you know, it doesn't use any long words, so that's good. The, the character length and the word count is good. Okay. But, you're right, so you're doing well so far. Your sentiment is a bit neutral. It's not either very positive or very negative, although I think free free beer is very say, positive. I think that's just wrong. Yeah. You <laughs> don't use it. things again. Yeah, I know, yeah. It is, and we talked about this a lot last week. Um, right, so you don't, you've, um, you, but you've used the word free. And it's the word free, spammers, <laughs> spammers and low rent marketers you're a low rent marketer <laughs> I quite like that <laughs> um use the word free in subject lines to avoid it where possible only 2.34 percent of emails containing the word free are opened there you go well again i've learned something 
Yeah. Um, no spam. You've got no spammy words. You've got no bad tab words. Got no exclamation marks. No all caps. But it's not personalized. Mm. See, there's no question. Questions work really well. Would you uh, like some economically favorable beer from Paul? <laughs> there you go. Inexpensive Inex- may have worked better. Yes, couldn't think of the right word. Economically yeah. favourable. <laughs> so anyway, there's another little automated tool. Again, they're not perfect, as I said last week, but they are good to get you thinking about the right kind of things. Now, obviously, the big question is, well, what email tool are you going to use to send out all these group emails and there are friggin hundreds of them out there and i'm not going to claim that i've looked at all of them or i'm an expert in all of them um but the one that i've been using for years and i i cannot fault is mailchimp yeah um it's very popular yeah it's very well known now it's not the cheapest of the options that are out there um, but it's got so many features that I really like about it from the fact that you can create um, very personalized campaigns, as we were talking about earlier. But you can also have trigger based campaigns. So if somebody abandons their shopping basket or those kinds of things, it's um, you can create automated emails um, based on RSS feeds. I, 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 there are too many things to list all of them but it really has got a comprehensive toolkit the other good thing is if you've got less than 2,000 subscribers it's absolutely free which i think is a blooming good deal to start you off down the road of of um you know email marketing if it's not something you've done before and i'll tell you it works really well because i started off with less than 2,000 and i'm still going with them because you know they they've been such so good to use however if you want something that's much much lighter weight something just for creating an email emails really simply maybe even an email you can throw together on a mobile device you know Mm -hmm. dead dead simple stuff then mailchimp do also offer a kind of super easy free straightforward you know experience called tinyletter.com um and it's just it's just brilliant for kind of writing almost not quite plain text emails, but really basic, really quick emails. So you might want to check that out as well. Okay. All right. I think that's about it. Uh, Marcus, do you have a joke for us? I do. And this joke um, was one that my son's girlfriend told me. Mm-hmm. And she's a nanny. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, so Do they call them nannies anymore? Are they not called childcare professionals? Well, I, yeah, in my mind, she's a nanny, but maybe I'm, yeah. I'm old-fashioned and probably. whatever. You're probably anyway. very, that's probably the, very politically incorrect yes, as well the, for the, some reason. <laughs> yes, it probably is, isn't it? Oh, well, I've mm. said it now. Um, anyway, so the point is it's a bit juvenile, but that's kind of how where I am in my mind, and it made mm-hmm. me snigger. <clears throat> so here we go. How do you put a baby astronaut to sleep? Baby astronaut to sleep. How do you put a baby astronaut to sleep? You rock it. (laughs) (laughs) That really is like a five-year-old's joke, isn't it? I think even younger than that, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. She found our level, which is great. Okay, so next week we're back for the last podcast in the season. To be honest, guys, I don't think it's going to be Christmassy. I just can't be arsed. Have I failed? Have I failed as a podcast host? 
just have an intro where we talk about the things we want for Christmas. Oh, okay, yeah, we, we can, can do, do that. that. Yeah. Yeah, I like talking about what I want. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we are going to talk um, about the future of content marketing. Um, so we're going to look at what comes next um, in this kind of world that we've covered in this season of the podcast because it is evolving incredibly rapidly. Um, and I think it's going to become quite hard to differentiate yourself in the market and where things are going. So I think we need to keep ahead, don't we? So I'm going to share with you some of the thoughts I've got about what I'm going to do now. I've been content marketing for years um, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about where I'm intending to take things in the future. But until next week, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.